Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing how you can connect with us on social media, and also how you can support us. We are reachable at this lovely podcast on various platforms. We also have several YouTube channels: The Hand Network. Check it round table, and also the Asian Drama Club. I will drop the links in the description so you can check those out. You can also reach us online at our website. That's onacar.com. That's O-N-N-A-C-A-R-R.com. You can support us through either PayPal or Venmo. Our PayPal email address is roses r o s e s out of the snow o u t o f s n o w at gmail dot com, and you can support us also on Venmo. the The connection for that is at on a car, and that's uppercase O and uppercase C, and it's O N N A C A R R. The last four to verify are one one four three. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing the American film. Again, Anna doesn't really discuss American film, but we are discussing the film "The Perks of Being a Wallflower." Now, with this film, I am putting a huge caveat at the beginning of this podcast, just to avoid any misunderstandings. That this is definitely one of those not for kid shows that Anna still liked parts of. So we're just going with that. It's kind of like the "Why Are You?" and about every single podcast I did on that, I had said completely at the beginning, this is not a kid show, and. Honestly, on Check It Roundtable, we don't really discuss many shows that aren't appropriate for all audiences. There are some that I think are worth noting, and this happens to be one of them. So, moving on, The Perks of Being a Wallflower is a show that I knew about, but again, it's kind of like a lot of shows in this country. I just haven't watched. It's like I still haven't finished anything but the first video of Harry Potter, and I really, 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 really liked it. It's just I haven't watched the other ones yet. So, and I haven't read the books either. So I, I really need to do that. But anyway, that's a digression. So the perks of being a wallflower. The reason that I personally liked it was I actually watched it because I watched the Theory of Love, the Thai BL drama series, and. The Perks of Being a Wallflower was a show that a character named Two in the show, along with the person who he ended up with, his partner, really liked. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be curious to see this movie just because of watching the theory of love and seeing how that couple's relationship developed because of the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Which basically the reason that Two and I don't remember his partner's name. It was brother somebody, but anyway. Ended up together was because they both connected over this movie and what it meant to them watching it as a viewer and how it changed their aspect on life. There's also a crucial scene in the theory of love when、um, two realizes that he doesn't want the story to end like the wallflower, the perks of being a wallflower ends for、um, the two main characters, Sam and then the boy who's the wallflower, and. 
the thing that I really wouldn't, I, you know, I watched this because I watched a Thai film instead of watching this because, you know, it's a very popular American film. But the thing that I really liked about this show was it really brought to fore some issues that aren't really dealt with a lot in American film, or if they're dealt with, in my opinion, they're kind of glossed over. And as someone who's experienced some of the things that were discussed in this film, I really appreciated that we didn't brush over them. And that's just kind of what we're going to say there. But the story follows Charlie, who is this kid who he had a basically mental breakdown. And you really don't know why, except you know that his friend um, committed suicide, and that apparently led to his breakdown. What you find out is that really wasn't what led to his breakdown. I mean, it was the final thing that maybe tipped the scale that led to the breakdown. But Charlie observes everyone around him. And Charlie cares deeply for his family. Charlie cared deeply for his friend who passed away. And Charlie's just trying to figure out how to interact as well as observe and care. And that's really tough for Charlie. And so Charlie's starting high school. He thinks that this year will be different than all the other years because he's going to um, have a very successful first day. And his first day isn't very successful. He, he won't answer the questions in his English class because he's afraid that the other students will think he's smart. Sorry, haven't had my karma macchiato yet, guys. Just a little sleepy still. But anyway, and so Charlie is trying to get through high school. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's an American thing. Because, you know, I was talking to a friend from Delhi, and he's like, you know, the American shows about high school show high school as being this hellacious experience. He said, not that it's really fun here, but we didn't ever have any of the stuff that, you know, American kids have to deal with. I'm going, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, that's what our lives are. And you really can't change your life when you're in the middle of high school. I mean, you know, I mean, you can change your reactions to life, but you can't change the fact that you're in American high school. And so Charlie ends up making a connection with his English teacher on the first day of school, who basically asks him, why didn't you answer the question when you knew the answer? And Charlie's kind of like, you know, I don't want to seem like I know it all, and I know that these kids are going to eat me alive anyway so I really don't want to be eaten alive because again they've got another another log for the fire if you will and so that's what Charlie's thinking about the whole deal well then Charlie decides to go interact and go to a football game which again Charlie is an awesome kid but he completely doubts his self-worth and he's at the football game and he sees this kid who was making fun of a shop class teacher in his shop class. And I will grant you that the kid should not have been making fun of the shop class teacher. But his name's Patrick. And, but I will say that the shop class teacher was leaving himself wide open for ridicule too. So, I mean, 
I will grant that Patrick shouldn't have done what he did. I really think what the shop class teacher should have done was look at Patrick and just start laughing because Patrick was making fun of the way that the shop class teacher approached life, which I will completely admit was something to make fun of. And I'm going, wouldn't it be better if the shop class teacher just walked in, realized that he was being ridiculous and sat there and went, you know, I really was being kind of zany and let's just laugh about it and move on with class instead of trying to demean Patrick for pointing out the ultra obvious. I mean, I'm not trying to be bad here. I'm just saying that's kind of what was going on. And again, I don't know why it is, but when people screw up, they tend to get defensive and then they treat others poorly. And that's kind of what happened. But Charlie's at the football game. He sees Patrick and then he comes up and sits by Patrick. And Patrick is the first person in Charlie's life to really just say, come sit by me. Let's watch the game together. Do you like football? I mean, that's just not something that happens to Charlie. And I will say from experience in American, you know, modernity and culture, when I was going through high school, I saw this a lot. People just wouldn't interact with each other. And it was kind of weird. But... Patrick kind of just does what no one thinks he's going to do and just says, Charlie, come sit with me. Let's watch the game together. And then Sam, who is, you find out, Charlie's stepsister because her parent, one of her parents married his, her mother married his dad. And Charlie thinks that they are a couple and they're looking at each other going, no, we're not a couple. We're sister and brother. And the thing I really liked about Patrick and Sam, despite, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here that I'm going, their lives were completely screwed up on a lot of levels. But the thing that I think these two got right is they loved each other as siblings in a way that you really don't see very often. And they got along and had awesome camaraderie, which, again, you don't see very often. And I, some people would say it was because they were the same age, they went to the same school. But no, I think the thing is, is that those two had decided they just cared about each other, and they were going to care about each other. And that's what I think makes them as a group and also as individuals unique to the story. So Charlie ends up basically going to a party with these guys, having brownies that he shouldn't have, and then he does something that is totally off the wall. He sits there in the living room with all these other kids around him and says basically everything that he really knows about them, which they maybe don't even want to know about themselves, and they finally realize that he really is a wallflower that can see through everything. He just, you know, doesn't show that unless he's had brownies that have weed in them, for example. And so... They really realize at that point, Sam and Patrick and some of the other people, that he is a precious person. Now, granted, no one should have given him brownies with weed in it. I will be the first to admit it. But the thing that I think this this whole interaction showed is Charlie had a lot that he just kept bottled up. And unfortunately, he had to have brownies with weed in order to not have that be that way. But I really liked how they came around him and said, you know, you think that you're weird because you do see 
how other people are. And the thing is, is you might be different, but you're not weird. You're just an observer of humanity and you're really, really good at it. So let's laud you for that instead of you thinking we're going to make you feel bad. Also, I really like the scene with Sam in this episode, or not episode, movie, because Sam takes Charlie aside and makes him a milkshake to try to get him a little more back to normal. And her quiet kindness in the midst of all this is what I think I really, really like about Sam. I really haven't met too many people who are like Sam in the world. I can really only count maybe literally like two to three people in my entire life I've met who are like Sam and that they'll come around someone and do what they can to make them feel good and better about their lives and themselves than they would otherwise. Now, as the story progresses, you find out that Sam was extremely sexually abused since a young kid. And she's still dealing with that in ways that, you know, I think when people go through sexual abuse, um, physical abuse, verbal abuse, they tend to try to cover up the scars and cover up the wounds. And I'm not even really blaming anybody for doing that. To me, though, I think that it's best not to put a band-aid on things, as painful as they are sometimes, because by putting the band-aid on them, you're kind of not saying that they didn't happen, but you're basically saying it doesn't matter. And the thing is, is sometimes letting the wound just heal in the air is a good thing. And I mean, I'm not, I don't know how to explain this. I'm not really good at verbalizing this kind of stuff, but I'm just saying I don't think the way Sam dealt with it, because what happened with Sam is she had all the sexual trauma that she went through as a kid, and then she ended up picking super poor decisions in guy friends for boyfriends. And, like, it's very poignant. There's a scene with Charlie, which he really likes Sam. He likes Sam, but he doesn't want to say he likes Sam because he doesn't think Sam likes him. Because he really doesn't see what he has to offer to the world in general. I mean... That's kind of Charlie in a nutshell. And so he's talking to his English teacher because he sees Sam careening down this path with this major jerk. And he says, why is it that these amazing people end up with people who don't appreciate their qualities and don't love them well? And he's really just, he's basically just completely asking from a completely gut visceral level, why? And in that scene... The English teacher looks at him and he says, you know, we don't accept the love that we truly deserve. We usually accept the love that we think we deserve. And in that lies most of our problems. I mean, the English teacher doesn't say it like that, basically. And that is the scene in the Theory of Love movie that Tu and the person he ended up with really connect over in the movie. And I think that's one reason why they ended up becoming a couple, and, you know, four years later, they were still together. But the fact that you need to realize that you are worthy of love, rather than going after the person who has the love you think you deserve, is a very interesting concept. And again, it's one of those nuggets that I really haven't seen in rom-coms, except for basically, this is kind of the only one. The only other one that kind of comes close is 
Again, I watch a lot of Runaway Bride. It's one of the few movies that I will sit down and watch and then watch again. I mean, I've been watching that movie since I was a kid. I've probably watched it in my entire lifetime over 15, no, probably 20 times. But it's one of those films that it has some nuggets that most modern American film does. And in the same way, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, I will be the first to admit, I did not like the drug use. I did not like the alcohol use. I did not like, you know, all that. But I also sit there and went, you know, it's a bandage that they're using to cover their pain. And trying to numb themselves so that they don't have to ask the hard questions. And, you know, I think that's the case a lot of times. Because, you know, I used to think I was the only one that avoided certain issues, that I was the only one who really didn't, you know, face things head on. And then, you know, I look around at the world around me and I'm going, everyone avoids certain issues. We all have things that we don't want to do. Some of us don't want to do it because, you know, we're just lazy. And some of us don't want to do it because dealing with those issues would be a major difficulty for us. And so we just leave it in the back corner. But I think that, yeah, this had drug use, this had alcohol use, this had, you know, sexual activities and things like that. But the thing that I also think it showed is how people handle the trauma in their life and how they end up going through the trauma. It's like as this develops, you find out not only Sam had the sexual abuse that she's been trying to deal with, but her brother... Patrick had a guy that he really liked who basically totally turncoats on him. I mean, and again, with Patrick, it's like he accepted the love he thought he was worthy of, and it turned out to be a really big bummer for Patrick. And I mean, I'm not saying that to be bad to Patrick's character. I'm simply saying it to say, you know, he ended up picking very poorly, and When the chips were down, the person he liked let him almost die in a lunchroom because a bunch of people were literally kicking him in the stomach, and he did nothing. And actually, that's the scene where Charlie basically goes into super protective mode, and instead of just observing the world, he steps into the world and basically pulls Patrick away from these three kids who are literally beating him in the stomach in a lunchroom. And... He attacks the kids and takes care of all two or three of them. I mean, and the funny thing is, is when it's all said and done, Sam takes him out of the lunchroom and gets him calmed down. And he's like, I don't even remember what I did. I just remember seeing Patrick getting himself beat up to pieces and stepping in. What happened? (laughs) And Sam's like, what happened? Charlie, is that you saved my brother from dying. And she's not being facetious. She's being completely honest. Because at this point, there's been a bunch of stuff that has happened. Sam's kind of in a disastrous relationship. Patrick's relationship went completely AWOL. And, you know, he's being yelled at at school because he happens to be a homosexual in a community that does not really endorse that behavior. In fact, they're doing everything they can to basically beat up anyone who is. Whether you're talking about Patrick himself or his boyfriend who ended up nearly being beaten to death by his dad over the deal. So, I mean, it's a difficult situation. And I would like to say that this doesn't happen in real life. I mean, in real life in America, we have, you know, perfect cookie cutter lives that don't involve any of that stuff. But unfortunately, at least where I grew up, this happened on a regular basis. I mean... 
I'm not trying to be bad here. I'm just saying, growing up in America during the time period I grew up in America, I saw this a lot. I mean, this is kind of what my generation had to deal with. And I would like to say it might be better for the generation that's growing up now, but I really don't think so. I think, you know, every generation has to deal with stuff. I think that sometimes, you know, I don't know if, you know, I grew up in like the 90s to early 2000s. So I don't know if like the people in the 80s had to deal with this the same way that we did, but it just wasn't easy. And the thing that I think this showed is it's not easy, but the thing is, is even in the midst of the chaos, you can take care of yourself. And there's this scene where Charlie ends up back in the hospital because he has another breakdown. And Joan Cusack is a doctor. She plays a doctor in the show. And I love Joan Cusack because, again, she's in Runaway Bride. And as Peggy Fleming, not the ice skater. And I love her character not because she's always perfect, because she's not. I love her character because she is quirky and she loves the other characters in the show very well. And she's also willing to sit there and go, you know, I don't like X about you, and this is why, but I still love you to pieces, even though this part of you drives me absolutely insane sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that is what I really love about her, because she'll go up to Maggie in Runaway Bride and say, for example, I don't like you flirting with my husband, but I also realize that, you know, you're flirting with my husband because you have a lot of unresolved issues, and, you know, you just tend to flirt. I mean, maybe you'd flirt with anything, you know, and that is just you. So I love that about Joan Cusack. I mean, she can just sit there and deliver her lines and make you go, yeah, that is so real life. But she comes into Charlie in the middle of his basically hospitalization again because of a breakdown. And she said, Charlie, basically, there's some things you got to face. And I'm not sure exactly what they are. But I know that unless you do, you're not going to be well. And he says, well, I just don't want the people I care about to get hurt. And she says, that's, that's a good goal, Charlie. But she said, you know, the other thing is you've got to care for yourself. And in that moment, Charlie finally faces some serious issues that he had that he'd been basically putting on the back burner because he was molested by his aunt. And... He did not tell anyone about this, and that is what really led to his breakdown after his friend died. It's like it all just came cascading for the poor kid, and he didn't know how to handle all that. The thing I think is very important about this scene is it's not like the doctor gives him a way to basically resolve all issues and trauma and sort it out in, you know, five days or less. But what she does do is she sits there with Charlie, she hears what's going on, and then she goes and tells his parents what happened. And suddenly they realize that their son, you know, isn't, you know, a mental case. He simply had a lot of extreme trauma that he didn't know how to deal with from people who he should never have had trauma from. And I think that this is the point where Charlie is able to finally figure out how to function in a way that is really, really much healthier. Because he's willing to, you know, admit that he's dealing with stuff that otherwise he wouldn't have been able to. And it's during this time that he's able to come out of the hospitalization. 
he's able to reconnect with his friends, even though they're both at college at this point, because he's three years younger than both of them. And he also does take the time in this, you know, right before Sam leaves for college, so right before he had his other breakdown that he ended up in the hospital with, he does admit that he likes Sam. And Sam admits that she likes him. And again, they're three years different. She's going to college. He's not. And, you know, I assumed from watching The Theory of Love that that meant that they didn't make it as a couple because that's what um, Tu and his partner thought of the end of the show. The thing is, is as an American viewer and watching this, I really didn't come to that conclusion because it really wasn't, in my opinion, in there. At the end of the show, what you have is... Sam and her brother Patrick come back from college to visit home, and they come and visit Charlie. And Sam finds this song that they had found the first night they met Charlie. And they play it, and Charlie gets up in the back of the pickup and just lets the wind blow through. Now, it's a super dangerous, stupid thing to do, but I, you know, he's enjoying his life, and we're just going to leave it at that. And, you know, we get over being stupid eventually. But... At that last scene, he says basically, you know, the thing I think we forget is that we truly are infinite beings. And in this moment, I am infinite. And in this moment, my friends are infinite. And yeah, we've got flaws. We've got, you know, cuts, bruises, etc. But we're still infinite beings with basically infinite potential and infinite ability to basically change our lives for the better and live well. And that's kind of how this whole video movie ends. And I really, really like this show. I mean, I'd probably give it a 10, even though there's things that I really, really didn't like about this show regarding sexual activities, drugs and alcohol, because what I realized about this, and again, it's basically how do they approach things? Because with me, it's not necessarily that I have anything against the portrayal of drugs and alcohol on TV or even sexuality. That's not it, even though some people really, really do, because I'm going, that is all a part of life. At least, you know, in the modern 20th century, we all have to deal with all those things. And so I don't mind the portrayal of that on TV and film. What I mind is the portrayal of that on TV and film in ways that don't seem to me to be thoughtful and calculated in a good way. And with this show, I mean, I'm not saying it was thoughtful. I'm saying it was very human. Everything that they showed on the show, I'm going, it's extremely human. It's extremely believable. And yeah, it happens. And so that is why I really still like the show, despite all the things that were not appropriate about it, that some people would have major problems with. The other thing is I think it really showed the kind of struggle that even just a normal kid going through high school has trying to deal with, you know, the craziness of high school and the craziness of the compatriots you have in high school. And also the craziness of yourself in high school. Because, you know, as much as we like to think that, you know, our kids are going to be so much better than the other kids at handling all of life's struggles in high school, the fact is, is that all kids are going to have a lot of struggle in high school. Especially... I think, in American high school. Because, you know, it's like I was talking for my friend, and he's like, you know, we were just kids in high school. We didn't have the drugs. We didn't really have the sexuality because, you know, I don't mean it bad, but in India, they still do arranged marriages a lot there. 
And also, they don't really date until they're in their 20s and usually later in their 20s because they usually have their college degrees before they start dating and because they're going to get married. It's not like they date just for fun. And he said, you know, we just didn't really have to deal with the interplay of the drugs, you know, the possible violence, the fact that, you know, we were trying to figure out relationships at that age. And, you know, I was sitting there going, you know, I'm not saying it made life a lot easier for them because they have their own struggles that they have to deal with just growing up in high school. But the other thing is, is I think in America, we like to really speed things up. I mean, if we can do things better, faster, quicker, we're going to do that. But the thing is, is sometimes things aren't best, better, faster, quicker. And one of those is kids' lives in high school. So I think this really brought to forefront that whole issue. And the gem of this film really was that quote is that we accept the love we think we deserve. And I sat there and went, you know, I finally found a rom-com slash drama that is American that has a gem like the BL movies that I watched you. And I'm not saying that to be bad to anybody who likes rom-coms or dramas in general. I'm saying that because a lot of them don't have things that stop and make you go, that is a good quote. That is a quote that, you know, most people need to really think about. And this did. And the other thing is, I really, really like the portrayal of Sam. Because I've only met probably literally two, maybe three people in my entire life who have the amazing effervescence of Sam. And I I love being around this people because they're such a joy. I mean, they really are. Um, again... I'm this really restrained, quiet, kind of British person who everything thinks is from Europe but isn't. And so it's kind of weird that I really, really like being around people like Sam. But again, I love seeing how they just bring light into the room and are such a joy to be around. And how they try to include people and incorporate people who otherwise would not be incorporated. And that is what I really liked about her. Now, again, I'm going... They're trying to bandage their wounds, and, you know, again, I don't even blame people for bandaging their wounds, but it's like C.S. Lewis, who I really don't agree with his whole theory on pain, because he basically thought pain was something that was given to us by, you know, the creator of the universe to make us better people. I really don't hold to that opinion, but we're not really going into a huge elaborate discussion on pain and trauma. But what I do hold to is, you know... He basically said that pain is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I don't think it is in the way that he meant it. But I do think that when pain and trauma happens, we need to listen to that pain and trauma. Because if we don't, it's going to end up biting us when we don't want it to. I mean, for Sam, it bit her in the choice of poor guys to end up with. With Charlie, it ended up biting him to the point that he'd have mental breakdowns. And, you know, the the reasons behind it are extremely legitimate. But the thing is, is everyone kept trying to bandage it, pretend it wasn't there, pretend it didn't exist. And what happened is it ended up blowing the bandage off and everything just was a disaster. And so... You know, C.S. Lewis might not have everything right about pain, but I think when he said, you know, it's to rouse a deaf world, when people get into trauma, they get deaf. They get to the point where they really can't hear. And I think that they do that because it's a very human response to try to numb it, to try to 
basically pretend it doesn't exist. Again, that whole avoidance thing. But that's not what we need to do. In fact, we just need to be completely honest and say, you know, this has happened. This is what has affected me. How do I move forward? It's like, for me, nothing, you know, cataclysmic has happened recently. But I'm going, if I'm having a really bad day about something and I'm working with another person, I will sit there and go, you know, so-and-so, just so you know, I'm having a bad day about X. And this has nothing to do with you except for the fact that if I seem a little off today, it could be because I'm trying to work through this issue in my life. And they'll go, okay. And it makes the day go so much better because they know what I'm going through. And also so that, you know, I don't come off and go, you know, I see people do it all the time. I'm in the grocery lane and somebody in front of me loses it at the checker. And I'm looking at them going, you know, you're not losing it at the checker. You're losing it because, you know, your partner got mad at you three days ago and you're taking it on the checker because you really don't want to deal with it with your partner or you know there's something in your life going on that you don't want to deal with with the people that you need to deal with it with and so you're taking it on the checker and rather than doing that number one go deal with the issue with the people that you have to deal with it with if you need to deal with it and number two admit that you're having a hard time so that if you do kind of go a little eh, People know what's going on. It just makes it a lot easier for everyone. And I'm not saying that to be bad. I'm simply saying it because, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of a high-function autistic engineer type. And so I'm like, if I know that there's going to be a difficulty, I'm going to admit to that because, again, I don't want that component to be a problem in the, what do you call it, the chassis of whatever project I'm working on. (laughs) I mean... I don't know. It's just kind of weird. But that is my review of The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And again, I just really thought this was well done. I thought it was thoughtfully done. And it's one of the few American films I can say I'm really, really glad I saw. And with that, on and out. Check it at the round table. Bye! Hi! This is Anna, and this is Check It at the Round Table, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing how you can connect with us on social media and also how you can support us. We are reachable at this lovely podcast on various platforms. We also have several YouTube channels, The Hand Network, Check It Round Table, and also the Asian Drama Club. I will drop the links in the description so you can check those out. You can also reach us online at our website. That's onacar.com. That's O-N-N-A-C-A-R-R.com. You can support us through either PayPal or Venmo. Our PayPal email address is roses, R-O-S-E-S, out of the snow, O-U-T-O-F-S-N-O-W at gmail.com. And you can support us also on Venmo. The, the connection for that is at on a car, and that's uppercase O and uppercase C, and it's O-N-N-A-C-A-R-R. The last four to verify are 1143. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.